You are listening to A Touch on the Box Tales podcast. Welcome back to yet another exciting episode of the show. I'm Priscilla, host for this podcast. If you're new here, this show is basically about reading stories from amazing writers, talking a little bit about movies that I enjoy watching and learn a few friendly tips to help spice up our English language. So today, we would be continuing with Elizabeth Kwashifovis entitled, That's Chapters 3 and 4. If you have not yet listened to Chapters 1 and 2, then you should definitely go back to Episode 1 and have a listen to be able to follow accordingly. Link to a blog is right in the description, so you should all head over to a blog and have a wonderful read. So I asked a question in episode one about how our first interviews went and I had one friend sharing her thoughts with me and I would quickly read her reply. This is what she said and I quote, My first interview was really frightening. I was a 16 year old who lacked confidence yet truly wanted to work despite having no previous experience. Although I did not end up getting the job, That interview was a first step into maturing into who I am today. The manager of the ice cream parlor I was looking to work in asked me several questions all about me and my future aspirations. I answered honestly but I lacked emotions. After the interview I felt a weight left off of me but thanks to that horrible first experience my second interview went better. Now, the scripture for today would be taken from Psalm 91 verse 1 and I read from the Amplified Version. He who dwells in the sacred place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no fool can withstand. Indeed, knowing God is the best thing that can ever happen to us. The beauty in loving and trusting Him is just beyond our imagination. Now, and without further ado, let's move right into chapter 3. Chapter 3 of Entitled Instead, he gets up, and in that moment, McCaffrey notices his plump figure and flat body with no outstanding features exactly, except for his long legs and fast-forming pot belly. She imagines he'd make a good runner, if fortunate enough to still be in his younger years now he looks like he'd be in his early 40s the bright orange shirt he's wearing fits him it is not so tight and not so loose either it is well tucked into his black trousers and the color complements his complexion rather perfectly she thinks to herself as he comes to rest the tip of his buttocks on the desk that separates them touching the floor with one leg and leaving the other dangling in the air swaying back and forth she is startled but only for a brief moment and then poises herself it's his office after all and he can choose to conduct the interview from wherever he deems suitable regardless of how unprofessional it may seem she says in her mind he leans forward slightly with his head lowered and bent over he peers into her eyes like someone in search of some long treasure of hers. She sits still and is quiet, not quite knowing what to make of his moves. He smiles, not chillingly, and says to her, you're very beautiful. 
she doesn't respond she isn't sure what to say she wonders if she's in the right room or perhaps in her haste has she gone to the wrong floor and joined the wrong queue what are you thinking about so hard he asked his voice interrupting her thoughts nothing nothing at all sir she says he gets up from the desk moves slowly in a circular manner finally coming to rest behind her he places his hand on her chair she remains uncomfortably seated still poised and calm wondering if truly she's in the right interview room would you like to see some additional documents i brought sir she asks maybe he has forgotten that she's here for the interview so she sought to remind him by saying that he laughs and tells her that he has seen enough of her academic capabilities and that he doesn't need more proof of that. I can even give you this job without any of that anyway, he says. I'm sorry, sir, Makafui says with a stunned look on her face. Oh yes, you don't even have to be that qualified, you know, he says, half grinning behind her. And before she can ask him what he means by that statement, he reaches out from behind, slips his hand into her blouse and grips her breast, the right one. He squeezes it gently as if he risks squashing it. If he squeezes any harder and pulls back his hand as swiftly as he puts it there. Makafui is mortified. She is still seated with her back straight, her shoulders very stiff her whole body motionless and her face expressionless. Her stomach rumbles. She can feel her heartbeat accelerating with each thud that she has within her chest. As her heart starts to beat very fast, she cannot think of anything. She is not even sure if her brain is still functioning. She stands from the chair as if by default and remains standing with her back to him. She doesn't turn around. In fact, she doesn't know why she is standing. Makafui sees him from the corners of her eyes as he walks back to face her directly. This time, he leans against the desk with his back, exactly where he had been a few minutes ago. You liked it, she hears. She averts her gaze from the lifeless wall now to him. You liked it, didn't you? He repeats as though he's expecting an answer of a sort from her. Her legs are frail. She might fall back on the chair if she doesn't hold onto something, anything. She wishes her hands wouldn't lie by her side so uselessly. She looks at him and she sees the taunting smirk on his face. Wait, what is that look? Is he proud of an achievement or is he just enjoying every moment of this? He inches closer, his hand moving less swiftly than it had before. He reaches out to touch her breast again. She doesn't know how, but she finds herself reaching out, grasping his hand halfway. She sees shock spread across his puffy face, or so she thinks she sees, as she flings his hand back at him more vigorously than she intends to, that it hits his built chest heavily. She cringes at the sound it makes, but still manages to stare him in the eyes undauntedly, waiting for what next he would do.
The fear and rage she feels inside are both crippling and keeping her on her feet simultaneously in a way even she herself cannot fathom. She hears him laugh, an unexpected laughter, shrouded in bits of mockery and sheer gloat. She is appalled that he finds the atrocious behavior he just exhibited toward her funny enough to deserve a good laugh. Is she a joke to him? She can feel more anger welling up inside her. She has to stop herself because she knows what she's capable of if her fury grows out of proportion. She feels insulted and taken for granted but she also knows she has to keep her composure. She doesn't speak, neither does she take her cursing gaze off of him. Women, you are funny creatures, you know, always pretending to be mad when you actually like something. If only you people would just be straightforward, how much simpler the world would be. He says amid sporadic laughter, an air of oblivious confidence surrounding his speech. McCaffrey is perplexed. What in the world is this lunatic going on about? She thinks, trying to reconcile the situation with the gibberish he just spewed. And to today's idiomatic expression of the day, couch potato. This means a lazy and inactive person, especially one who spends a great deal of time watching television. For example, I don't like this new attitude Ikea is portraying. She has literally become a couch potato. Anyway, I hope you're adding these to your everyday English speaking skills, right? Great. Now to chapter 4. Subtly, it dawns on her then. She wants to laugh, but she doesn't. Leslie thinks she's doing so because she agrees with him, which is far from the case. She wants to laugh at his ignorance. He's one of them. One of the many men who believe that a woman's no actually means yes and her yes in fact means no. Oh, of course, she cannot blame him that much. Is there not even this popular saying that when a woman says stop what you're doing, she actually means do what you're stopping? Yes, she remembers hearing something like that. Some time passed from an old friend. The society has a lot to say for itself too for spreading around such baseless fabrications as truth. So it's partly no fault of his that he actually believes that a woman acts in opposites and for him, her display of resistance is just another confirmation of his delusion. For a moment, she feels pity for him. Well, she had so not expected a man of his caliber and status to have such poor knowledge of women. Sadly, he may never know that he knows nothing at all. Her unwarranted pity for him does not last long because his next words make it impossible for her to continue to do so. Allow me to make you feel like a real woman. You are a pretty woman and you do know that is the least you can offer me for this job. I will text you the address and location right after I'm done here. Don't bother about the contact information. I have it all here, pretty. He winks at her and raises a CV, her CV of course, from the desk, sways it back and forth in a bed to show her as if she needs proof of him having it. 
the ease with which the words flew out of his mouth just like that like a language he used every day puzzled her immensely the surety with which he said them as one who knew already that she would agree to any absurd proposals he would make irked her she glares at him a look of indignation now replacing the one of pity and perplexity she was having earlier she hates herself for thinking more than acting how dare he think so lowly of her and her body well she has heard of men men who treat women with utter disregard men who feel somehow entitled to women's bodies but she hadn't expected or didn't expect to meet one so soon more certainly not in this way she continues glaring at him as if by doing so he would magically realize his wrongdoings and apologize for them you haven't answered me yet my lady do we have a date mccaffrey can no longer hold back she hisses very loudly while repeating his words sarcastically date indeed how many innocent women have fallen prey to this ridiculous ploy of yours how unfortunate her lips twitched into a sarcastic smirk looking him up and down with eyes full of disgust he lets out a cackle a loud one like someone who just heard the best joke of his life she pushes past him and starts to gather the documents she left on his desk the ones she brought hoping for an interview in her cv as well the fury and disappointment is evident on her face the former being greater than the latter she grabs her bag and makes to leave quietly who knows what spending even a second more in his presence could cause her to do calm down my lady he says and attempts to hold her back she evades his grip and shoots back in a much raised voice i am not your lady all right all right but you don't have to shout i'm only trying to keep your job and opinions to yourself mr ekem or whatever they call you i don't need any of them she lashes out at him she resolves not to create a scene because of the other interviewees and besides he isn't worth it she starts toward the door even though her desire to slap him first for wasting her time and second for touching her without her permission is intense than the one holding her back i thought you were smart he says shaking his head she stops dead in her tracks turns around walks slowly and silently back to him she can tell he's trying to make out her intentions from the way he's scrutinizing her face for clues she stops for a few steps away from him and smiles he smiles back an assuredly calm smile as one who knew she would come back and had expected it she does not stop herself this time nor does she think twice about what she's going to do she thinks only of her self-worth his disregard his insolent touch his filthy hands moving through her blouse like a snake slithering through grass and in that moment she can no longer control her rage she summons the tiniest amount of braveness left in her raising the pile of documents she's holding she smacks him across the face with that he is totally confounded his mouth agape 
as though he cannot bring himself to believe that that just happened that somebody just did that to him more so a woman if he was shocked previously by her flinging his hand at him this shocks him even more she glares at him eyes glowing from utmost fury like a lioness whose cups had been tampered with and says to him intrepidly now that is for touching me without my consent my body belongs to me and me alone and no one will disrespect it i hope this sends some sense spurling through that brainless skull of yours the one you most definitely did not get from suckling your mother's breast you stupid man she storms out of the office slamming the door behind her she pays little attention to the questioning looks and stares that follow her as she makes her way out of the place she is so furious she couldn't care less about anything she hurriedly leaves the hallway practically flying down the stairs as fast as her tiny legs carry her she doesn't even stop to greet the polite receptionist who had offered her assistance earlier goodbye she is too angry and shaky to be nice she didn't expect him to follow her outside but still she casts frantic looks around to make sure he really did not she leans against the wall outside half scared half pleased with herself for putting that obnoxious man in his place she waves an empty cab to a stop and jumps right in without bothering to negotiate prices with the driver her only thought is to get far away from that premises as far as she possibly can Stay tuned for our last two chapters in episode three. So let me quickly chip this in. I know this is a fictitious story, but in actual fact, these are things that happen to ladies day in and day out in our real lives. I know it doesn't happen in just offices. A guy friend could even invite you to his place and start assuming that, oh, you accepted his invitation because you want it. So he begins to feel entitled to your body. Some guys, girls are not objects or however way you deem them to be. Alright? Girls are equally human beings like you. It's really about that time you stopped assuming and inferring unnecessary things about ladies, which in fact, they mean the opposite. This is so not right in every sense. If a lady is being all friendly with you, it doesn't mean she's interested in you and wants you. I know guys also go through this, but one way or the other can't speak up because society deems you not man enough. I'm sure his friends wouldn't even spare him the ridicule should he disclose such an information to them. If you go around harassing people, you are no more a human being, like you are no more part of human beings. Cause no human being in his or her right sense would do this. Anyway, that was just by the way. Have any of you ever been harassed in any way or form before? I would love to know your experiences and how you handled it. And today's movie of the day, Seriously Single. So I watched this movie about two days ago and I should say I enjoyed it to the fullest. Seriously Single is a South African comedy which was released in the year 2020. Seriously Single introduces a social media expert craving commitment in a relationship 
and can't stop you know one way or the other stalking her ex-boyfriend on social media her best friend who lives freely edges her to embrace singlehood but that seems to be a problem for this lady seriously single conveys this message about you loving yourself and you not needing any person whosoever to make you happy the only person who can make you happy is you yourself and you alone i would highly recommend this movie because it's so fun to watch don't forget to share with your friends like comment follow and please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app click on the link in the description to follow elizabeth on instagram at the gh you can also follow me at attach underscore on underscore the box deals until our third episode in this week wednesday adios amigos <laughs>